Dominion doesn't mean doing what you want. It means caring for what's been given to you in a healthy way. Eugene Peterson. Welcome to Hill Country Institute Live, exploring Christ and culture. I'm Larry Leninschmidt, your host. Thank you for joining with us today as we talk about faith and culture issues. And today, particularly, we're, we're focused on creation care. At Hill Country Institute, we're excited to continue to talk about the issues that face us today, the body of Christ, as we live in a world that is complicated, interesting, and we know God is in control. We bring ministry leaders, authors, pastors together with you to talk about how we live and encourage each other to engage in our life of faith as Christians. We have a special guest today, a student, and he's going to talk about how students today view the issues of creation care and the issues of a warming planet. Matthew Kim is a junior at uh, St. Stephen's School, and he's been a leader in increasing environmental awareness. So we're looking forward to visiting with Matthew. We invite you to visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org. We have previous programs there that you can listen to. You can also listen to them uh, at Hill Country Institute Live on your podcast app. At our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, we'd ask you to consider making donations to support this program uh, so that we can continue to be on the air. Uh, radio stations like to be paid for their time, and we like to pay them too. So we'd encourage you to, to uh, visit hillcountryinstitute.org or call 512-680-7993. So let's begin our program today. Again, our special guest is Matthew Kim. He's a uh, junior at St. Stephen's School. He's involved in many things there from cross-country to being a student leader to making music. And so it'll be fun to talk with Matthew about his life and his view of how we take care of God's good creation. Matthew Kim, welcome to Hill Country Institute Live. Thank you for being our guest today. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. So, Matthew, you're a, you're a student at St. Stephen's School now. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your activities and your, your involvement there. Yeah, so uh, I'm a junior currently at St. Stephen's Episcopal School, and um I enjoy running uh, cross-country and track. I also play soccer as well during the winter. Um, I'm the vice president of our student government's executive board, and I'm also one of the presidents for the environmental club we have at our school called Green Goblins, where we do a lot of... We, we compost all the uh, food at our school, or at least during lunch and breakfast. And, yeah, I enjoy what I do there, and I hope that I can continue to... Oh, people will continue doing it when I'm, when I'm gone. Yeah, Yeah. super. Well, you, you, you play the piano also, don't you? Oh, yeah. So I, I play the piano and violin. So, of course, I play violin in my school orchestra and uh -huh. piano. Uh, yeah, high school's been getting busier, of course. So um, I've taken a little bit of a break off the piano, but I still do enjoy playing it a lot. Yeah, well, that's two, two great instruments. You're, you're like a, a mini orchestra if you can record one and then play the other. <laughs> so Yeah, my sister plays cello. So we have done uh, duets and things like that where I accompany her or she accompanies me. Oh, that's well. That's terrific. Uh, I think the the family that that makes music together really uh, does stick together, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I think we we played uh, the Swan uh, for my dad's birthday once, and that was that was pretty fun. So yeah, cool. we both enjoy it. Yeah. Well, Matthew, you know, when you're in high school, uh, I think part of part of life is thinking ahead and planning. What would you What would you like to be doing after you after you finish at St. Stephen's? Well. Uh, hopefully, I'd like to try and go into policy, politics, or something with, I think, the environment or 
like that kind of science field because I'm I'm both interested in the research and in like the actual like putting it into practice. And so doing something like that I think is something up my alley. Yeah, and that and that and that really fits in with what we're talking about today. We we met at a, a conference on creation care, particularly dealing with the issues of our warming planet. And uh, you know how did how did your uh, interest really in creation care of taking care of the environment and and thinking about warming of the planet issues? How how did all that get started? Oh yeah, so really it started probably when I was in uh, elementary school, early elementary school, because. When my grandparents moved here from Michigan, they brought their garden with them, and so I worked in my in their garden uh, quite a lot. And you know, I I've got a garden of my own, you know, and just working with plants, kind of being in nature. That kind of, well, because I was always kind of like nature loving, kind of nature oriented. Even if maybe I didn't like go outside every single day, right? I still enjoyed nature, and so it was kind of just like second nature when I went to high school, and they had a like a environmental club called Green Goblins um, because I actually. I started uh, composting with worms because of my uh, one of my uh, ceramics teachers, and she actually leads the Earth Club at my school. And so, you know, I joined because I'm like, you know, I really I, I know her well, and she, you know, helped me do this composting stuff. And then just after I got into high school, you know, I started seeing all the activism stuff that you can get into. And you know, because I like gardening, and you know, I I've, I've just seen a lot of, uh, well, I mean, of course, like we experienced the drought, right? And I was just I've always been thinking about like you know, what's going to happen to it. Because I, I just heard, you know, certain uh, words like global warming and things like that. And I was just really interested in it um, purely through a nature perspective. And so once, you know, I got into it, um, I really saw how much work there um, there was. And I saw, the, of course, when Greta Thunberg came out, um, that mm-hmm. really inspired me to um, just, you know, put a lot of effort and time into kind of working for the environment, of course. And I mean, you know, also for my school, right? My school, we are on a very nice hill. Like, we, there's a lot of green space. There's a lot of big trees, big oak trees. And it's just really nice and pretty. And, of course, I want, I, you know, that's kind of like, of course, you know, like it's transcendental. Um, it's very nature. Like, you, you can't really, you, you, every time you walk out of your classroom, you have to walk outside and see, like, nature. And I think it's refreshing. And, you know, I really want that to stay. And that's just one aspect that has really, like, helped me just being kind of able to, like, calm down gardening or doing something like that. And so I think that just trying to keep that alive, and I know I know it's maybe not immediately in danger, like, just my garden itself, because, of course, I'll move and maybe I won't garden anymore. But I just want other people in the future to experience the same kind of relationship with nature that I have right now. Certainly, yeah, and and things things have changed. I mean, just uh, in in Texas specifically, the average temperature on any given day is two and a half degrees warmer now than it was in the nineteen seventies. So that's going to have an impact on on all the flora and fauna, isn't it? Yeah, you know, actually, I'm a I'm also a youth forest council intern with the city of Austin, and I was just studying um, fruit and nut tree chilling requirements because. Uh, if you didn't know, fruit and nut trees to fruit, um, certain varieties, they need a specific a- amount of hours in between. Uh, it's like freezing point and 45 degrees. And if they don't receive that, they actually want fruit. And so we were studying different um, fruit and nut trees in Austin to see, you know, what trees are going to eventually become unproductive and what trees will 
um, will continue to stay, and then also what trees might we bring to Travis County and to Austin to try and, you know, replace those trees that, you know, just won't produce any more fruit or just won't be as fruitful. And so just things like that, you know, just, I mean, they're like things you might not think about, of course, fruit and nut trees, that right? We kind of take it for granted. But, you know, if we do um, just have less winter, like all of these, like, I don't know, some like, I, like even the peach tree in my backyard has become less productive. Um, and I just think that that kind of thing is, of course, to like the local fauna and maybe farmers and such. But I think it's just important to think about and realize that, you know, it's affecting everything, even like the pecan trees we have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's all interconnected. And I think that's that's part of the, the, the thought process that we all need to have. Uh, you know, you're in, in, in a lot of ways, I know of your leadership and your activity uh, in bringing attention to these kinds of issues. Uh, why, why do people who are in high school and college, people who are under 30, uh, why, why do you consider this to be such an important concern uh, for your, your own future? Well, of course, we see, we're looking into the future and we're saying what kind of jobs are available, what kind of places, like where we want to work, right? And just particularly for me, when I'm looking at colleges, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about going to California just based on the fires that are happening there and also just because of the water restrictions and issues with just having enough water and having to um, buy water from other states. And I, I, I want to make sure that, like, my future, like, where I live is going to be safe. And also, like, if I want to have a family, like, will we have, like, you know, a smoke in the air because of the fires that are happening? Or will we have to limit our water or just have to pay more for water? And, I mean, of course, that's really far down the road, right? But I think just, like, right now, we're, we're kind of seeing the world for what it is. And we're seeing, we're seeing like, because, we, like, of course, Instagram, the Internet, right, we can we can get information really quickly and we can get very, um, I guess, emotional pictures very quickly and seeing those kind of pictures. And of course, I mean, there's maybe standard ones like a polar bear in the Arctic, right? Sure. But just seeing that sort of like happening right now. And also we can literally look up um, the studies and research about, you know, just the declining population of what of some animal, or we can see how, sea levels are rising and you know that florida may be underwater in like the next 50 years right things like that we're looking at that and we're we're pretty we're pretty scared for the future and what it's going to look like because of course we can't we as students like we're not i mean some of us like a lot of us have jobs but right we're not in places that really change the world and so i think just by combining like grouping together and just doing this like political advocacy work, that's where we found like a specific um, place that we can actually affect the world and try and change um, some of the laws and then like impact some of the, impact basically the people in power who can do good and provide like, you know, positive change. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's why, you know, we're really concerned about this. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned uh, California. It, it, I just happened to have been reading about some of the issues there recently, and they're li- lo- literally losing beach area. And um, in San Francisco, they have pipelines uh, for sewage running through some of the beach, and they're constantly dredging in the bay and putting that 
soil and sand on top of those pipelines, and, and they know it's going to wash away, but it's, it's just a way of preserving that pipeline. Uh, and other cliffs are eroding. Uh, they've got the fires like you talked about. But uh, there's there's just a whole uh, you know plethora of issues in that in that one state. It, it's like the sea level rise, the warming and the drought. Uh, the Colorado River runs in there, and so the the Colorado River's um, not not what it used to be because of the combination of, of lower rainfall in some areas and drought, and the and the, and the cities that are building. Uh, are, are taking water out of there. So much has been built and that water's coming out. So, you know, California is kind of a, a microcosm of what's going on in, in the whole world, isn't it? Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. I think that's the things that we're looking at and we're questioning, you know, what what are we doing right now? What? Why aren't we trying to fix this? Why aren't we trying to solve this? Because, I mean, as I said, I've, I've talked earlier about how, you know, these, the issue with the climate is a humanitarian issue because we're impacting the people. The people who are going to be impacted the most are going to be the people who are the poor, right? The young, the old, mm-hmm. right? It's the people who, you know, they don't have the resources to either defend themselves from rising temperatures or rising sea levels um, or just kind of move themselves and move their lives somewhere else and be able to sustain themselves like economically, right? I mean, it's just not the option for somebody to just leave, I don't know, their farm or, I don't know, wherever they live to go find somewhere new because they can't live there anymore. I mean, I just remember cities in Florida having to pump, like, build massive, like, infrastructure pumps so they, they can, like, pump out seawater so they don't flood. And, I mean, yeah. of course, somewhere historical, like Venice, when that, like, when they've had, a, like, a large flood recently, I mean, it's just we're seeing our world slowly kind of be taking over by the earth and like by the response and it's just things like that because now like venice flooding that's a very like concrete thing that we can see pictures and be like wow why like how can we like how is this happening and i think that's what kind of draws people to eventually to like come to the conclusion that you know something is like definitely wrong and it needs to fix something mm-hmm. yeah well uh Matthew, when you when as a Christian, when we think about these things, uh, how does how does your faith and 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 your interest in the spiritual things relate to how you see the world and and care about creation? Yeah. So, my grandma, she is very very religious, and she's always she like I every time I see her, she always tells me like like Jesus loved the poor, right? You have to help the poor, and you know to. To, you, even though it's like to have a good heart, you need to like feel for the poor, and that's like that's the like the top priority. And so like she's instilled with me that like kind of help out the poor, help the homeless people, help the people in need. And so when I look at the climate issue, I'm seeing like a, a massive amount of people who are in poverty, people who are in poor, suffering the most from this issue because of course not everybody in the world has access to air conditioning all day and not everyone in the world has access to clean water all the time unpolluted water and you know when i see that it's just like how can you say that you like are christian that you believe in jesus if you don't practice jesus's like like preaching that you should help the poor and like love your neighbor as yourself because our neighbors around the world they are suffering, and someone for every 
like bit of pollution that like is put into a river or put into the air, someone or something is breathing it or drinking it. And a lot of the times it happens to be the poor. And I just think that just kind of centering around being like, you know, protecting the occur. Of course, also like in Genesis, right? We have the whole earth in front of us and we are the caretakers of the earth. And I think it's just, being caretakers of the earth, we have to recognize that, like, right now, the earth and the animals and the creatures that God has given us, that they are suffering. And I don't think it's our right to determine whether or not we have, the, we have like, the power to control the animals and, like, their suffering for our gain is okay because God has given us, like, dominion over the creatures of the earth. I think it's just that we have to actually, we have to be in harmony with the creatures of the earth. And try and, you know, protect the earth because, it, because you know, earth is God's creation, right? And yeah. I, I just have a hard time believing that I can, you know, pray and I can be, like, a good Christian, but, you know, pollute the whole river and hurt all the fishes and all the creatures that live around it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think the, the, you're, you're emphasizing the care of the least among us. And the the least among us usually are dependent on some aspect of creation, whether it's clean water or a place to grow the crops, and and they're they're losing those those places. You know, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, El Salvador. Uh, the drought is pushing people out of there, and so that's that's a part of migration that people are are forced to leave because of the uh, unfortunate circumstance of losing their farmland. And, and we're seeing the same thing in the Sudan and in Bangladesh, and and then as far as farmland goes, this this year in the Midwest we had a, uh, or, or in the last crop season we had a, a, a major flood that cut the, well the, the, if I recall correctly the the corn that was planted was less than half of what would have been planted otherwise. So it's a, it, it hits a lot of different things, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean of course like that's a Midwest example. I. I particularly think like that's something that we should look at and be like, wait, what, what is happening? Because like, of course our Midwest, we're so bountiful, so plentiful, right? We have such good soil there and we export our grain everywhere. Mm-hmm. But if that, if that central, you know, aspect like of our food, like just being gone, right? I mean, of course, like we will, I like my family at least, or like or maybe people in America, right? We have ability to buy food and like at least my family, we don't face a food insecurity, right? But if there's not enough food for everyone, then who's going to be the person left out, right? And that's the people who can't afford to pay or can't like don't have the resources to get the food. And I think just protecting those people and making sure that you know we still care about them and that like we we love them, I think that's something that you know really like resonates with me. Sure, that's a that's an that's an extension of uh, Jesus' teaching about about caring for the least among us, and you know there's a there's another side to that too, and this this gets into a generational thing, you know I'm a baby boomer and you're and 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 you're how how would you classify yourself? What would you call your generation? Um, I think a lot of people call it Gen Z. Okay. Um, there's also another generation called like Gen I, which is with the iPhone, but I think there's in between millennials and the generation that grew up with the iPhone, like that's kind of where I stand. Okay. So I think Gen Z, yeah. 
So if we put those together, you're, you're either an is or a z, a za, I guess. There's some <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. <laughs> but but there's this this difference, you know. The you mentioned dominion and earlier about about how we look at creation and 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 I'm afraid so many as as baby boomers have looked at dominion as meaning just take take whatever we need from the earth, take whatever we want, and don't worry about it. And I think there's a, a more full sense of what dominion means and and what you've been saying of caring for everything in in balance so that we're keeping the the animals in a position where they can survive and fish can thrive so that we can have abundant harvest and a catches now isn't isn't there a, a generational contrast there yeah i think just the the goals for our future right i mean the of course each generation grows up with different problems mm-hmm. and i think it's just that with us we're growing up in a world that we see is slowly falling apart. And I think it's just that with, since we're growing up in a world that's slowly falling apart, where, or we at least have seen just the very, we, we've exper- we haven't experienced like a fully, like complete world with like, a, like a, all like the, what the ecosystem should be. And I think just seeing that and being used to it, and I think we just realized that something's wrong because, you know, we hear stories, of course, of, you know, maybe like, like, I don't know, like, when you were younger, right, Austin, like, 100-day-degree weather was very rare. And, you know, now, like, we're having summers that there's, like, 50 days of 100-degree weather. And I think just when we, we're comparing our lives, and yeah, I don't think that there's a generational divide in, like, like, maybe there's a generational divide in understanding and, of course, of, like, ways we live our lives and cultural, because, of course, we lived up in different eras. But I think just our the goal to see the earth as complete and also to help restore and heal the earth, that's there. And I think that's why we're like, I, I think like I've been able to work with people who are older than I am because we both have the same vision because it's, we, we're both living on the same earth. And so it's, there's no different earth that we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to accomplish the same earth. And mm-hmm. I think that of course, right. I mean, people who are older and people who are younger, right? People who are younger, right? We are looking for our lives and we're, we're trying to like set ourselves to on a good path and trying to like make ourselves independent while older. I think you guys are already independent and you're, you're already have like lived your life. And I think this, the aspect of like the old wanting to help or like the older people wanting to help um, the younger people have a better future and the future wanting to, trying to prevent the world from like, I'm trying to restore what um, the older generation's world looked like. I think that kind of relationship actually works well because right. I mean, we, we don't understand completely what it's like to live in a world that, you know, the CO2 levels in the air were under right. 400 parts per million, 390, 80 parts per million. We don't understand what it's like, but I think the, like, particularly with like baby boomers, right? You understand what the world was like then. And I think that, you know, that vision that you all had and that experience you all had helps give us a little bit of hope that we can return because we know it existed at some point. So mm-hmm. at least for me, that's kind of like how I see it. And I don't mind that, you know, where there's such a, like a big gap because I think the reason why there's such like the big gap proves that this problem is large enough to get interest with everybody. Because if there was only just the young people interested, then I think, you know, 
it would just be like there might have been a problem. But since I think every like everyone's like interested in solving and trying to limit climate change, and I think that kind of proves how important it is to society and how important how it affects everybody. You know. Sure, and the and the and the numbers among. Uh, baby boomers uh, who consider it an issue are going up among conservatives, uh, particularly, and and uh, and it seems that people who are more liberal politically have, have have dealt with that before, but among among young Republicans there it, there's a, a there are a couple of groups: the American Conservative Coalition, led by uh, a fellow named Benji Backer, and a, a group called the American Conservation Coalition, and these are two groups of people who who are politically conservative. And uh, and they're working uh, to to deal with these issues, and they're taking their inspiration from the legacy of Teddy Roosevelt and even Richard Nixon, because uh, Roosevelt uh, championed national parks, and Richard Nixon oversaw the creation of the EPA. And uh, back uh, when the EPA began, I mean things were were really the the rivers were polluted, the air quality was 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 bad, uh, even the Cuyahoga River. Uh, actually burned and and you know seeing seeing a river burning you, you know something's not quite right <laughs> that's just not supposed yeah. to be that way but uh uh the statistic that one statistic that that uh, stood out to me is that uh, 70% of republicans under 40 uh consider global warming to be a uh, a major issue and 61% said they're very uh, worried so uh, we're we're really uh, seeing a sea change there in terms of, you know, you think of older people being conservative, but the young conservatives are also seeing the problem, and I think that that's that's a, uh, a significant sea change in terms of, of of how things are moving forward. So Matthew, we're going to take a little break now, and thank you thank you for your your input this time, and we'll be uh, going further in the second half of the program. It's time for a brief break. I invite you to visit the website of Hill Country Institute, hillcountryinstitute.org. There are recordings and videos from our past conferences and radio programs on topics including spiritual formation in the life of C.S. Lewis, faith in science, art, and faith in business, many other topics. Some of the speakers include Eugene Peterson, Alistair McGrath, Andy Crouch, John Burke, Dallas Willard, and many others. And if you're looking for gifts, we have CDs and DVDs. So that's hillcountryinstitute.org. We invite you to stay with us during this break, and we'll be right back. We also invite you to visit our page on Facebook. We'll be back shortly. 